This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 818, you're tuned to WGNS. Again, on this Friday morning, today, the 15th of April, it is Good Friday. And joining us this morning, we have from News Channel 5, we have meteorologist Leland Statham and Heather Mathis. How are both of y'all doing this morning? Hey, good morning. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am good, Leland. How are you? I think Leland has his mic mute. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm doing okay. I'll be limited this morning. I've uh, had a, a voice, uh, been hoarse the last couple of days, and actually getting ready to go on a pack later from my doctor. So I'm hoping a couple of days of rest will help me out. But uh, a little hoarse this morning. But other than that, feel okay. Well, that that's no fun, <laughs> not at all, especially when you're uh, in the broadcast industry. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, I guess starting off the program this morning, we had quite the storm system come through, what, just a day ago? Yeah, just a day ago, actually, Heather and Bree were on air that night when those storms were rolling through the area. Yeah, Bree and I were on, it felt like, for several hours as those storms came in. And actually, Murfreesboro, one of the locations that saw a tornado warning with that cell, came through the Patterson community and then into downtown Murfreesboro. Uh, it was, you know, a scary night for a lot of folks. A lot of wind damage was reported after those storms Wednesday. You know, I, I know what it's like in the radio world as far as storms and, and how we're going about broadcasting and keeping up to date on everything but in the tv world you're also working with a lot of graphics all at the same time and then you also have just like radio has you've got people calling in and you've got folks who've been listening for years and years they look to y'all for advice just like we've got the same thing and it's kind of a, a an interesting time period what is it like on the broadcast industry and tv where you have callers calling in and and what's going on it is a, number one it's a great partnership all the way around just whatever we can do on any platform to get the information out is great uh one of the good things with us is with our newsroom staff they at least fielding some of those calls to kind of help things out during the process yeah, and something new that we've been doing is uh, staying continuously live on Facebook, which is what we did Wednesday night. We were live, Bree and I, the entire time that storm system came through. Um, and we're able to see viewer comments in real time, which is a new thing that we're able to do in the broadcast world. So when I see people saying, Heather, what's going on in Cookville? Heather, what's going on over in Mount Juliet or Murfreesboro? We're able to answer folks kind of in real time while we're in storm coverage. So that's another good option. And another good tool that we have it used to just be tv right with broadcasting but now we have all these ways with social media to reach folks too when we've got weather going on it's kind of wild in today's time where you are able to interact with listeners as things are happening and, and that's you know quite different compared to let's say even 15 years ago oh yeah definitely because uh, you, you take when i started we were just news channel five that was it it was a signal. Uh, and so now you've got, as Heather mentioned, and the Internet, uh, we've got our second channels out there. Uh, in, in addition to Facebook, you know, we're also broadcasting this on Apple and Roku. So there are many different avenues to try to get that information out to people. You know, hey, and listen. 
Brie has gotten really good at TikTok too. She's reaching <laughs> those kids on TikTok with the weather information. <laughs> you know, and, and I think there there is a certain segment of the audience out there that doesn't realize, you know, you can pick up like News Channel 5 over the air, uh, you know, with what people used to call rabbit ears with the antenna though but the difference is it's a digital signal that comes in and folks are able to see usually better than what they're able to you know to view you through let's say cable tv no you're absolutely right there and the 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 difference is when you watch us through through cable satellite part of that signal is being processed now you're still getting a great signal but it, it it's being processed if you go over the year, and there are many more people doing that because those cord cutters, whether they're dropping the signal for uh, cable or satellite and going with some of their subscription channels like Netflix and Hulu, they still want a way to get local information. And so they're using over the air. And if you grab our signal over the air, it really is a better signal because it's just direct from us to you and not being processed via satellite or, or, or cable. Definitely so. Again, with us this morning from News Channel 5, Leland Statham and Heather Mathis. Now, on this day, back in 2009, the Good Friday, what people refer to as the Good Friday tornadoes, came through Rutherford County. In fact, they impacted a lot of the South when that occurred, April 9th, all the way up to April 11th. And I remember those storms hitting our area and Brian Barrett from the station was live, you know, throughout the entire time period of that. And uh, it was a very strong storm system that moved through. And sadly, we're seeing more of those storm systems, it seems like, coming through the south. Yeah, I would say now, and Heather is a great, one of the reasons I asked her on the, with, to, to be with us today is because she was in Murfreesboro at MTSU and all that went down, so she's got great firsthand knowledge, but I would say you are, are definitely probably seeing a smaller time span between the big ones. You know, we we, we had the April 16, 98 tornado, then uh, this one is what, 2010, uh, but in between those big ones, there used to be a larger gap. And so people would get storm anxiety and it would have time to die down. Then another big one hits. But and I think, Heather, even in just your short time at News Channel 5, you're seeing yeah. that, too. And you were down in Alabama and worked in Jackson before coming to us. So even in your time in television, you've seen it in your three different markets. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just with the 2020 tornado outbreak, but you have to think, you know, weather in all forms impacting people, the flooding that we're seeing is happening more frequently, even just storms that are strong enough to cause so much wind damage. I mean, hey, we've had a few big winter storms too. So yeah, we're having less time in between these kind of high impact weather events that have been hitting us really hard the last couple of years. Now, going back to that 2009 time period, and I know, Heather, you said you were here in that time frame. You were at MTSU. Uh, but in that tornado, there were two who were killed, and it was, I remember clearly, it was a mother and a newborn who I think was around nine weeks of age at the time. Uh, but that was over there around Battleground and Sulphur Springs Road in Murfreesboro. And after that tornado tornado went through that area i mean it literally leveled entire neighborhoods 
Yeah, I remember what it looked like afterwards. Um, I, I remember that day so plainly because I, I had a class that I had to go to. MTSU did not cancel classes, I don't think, on Good Friday. And I was trying so hard to get perfect attendance in this one class because if you did, you got extra credit. And I was trying to make the decision, do I go to campus or do I stay where I'm at in my apartment and shelter? And thank goodness I did decide to shelter and not go. Uh, they ended up canceling classes. But I remember uh, when that tornado happened, and just the aftermath, just, you know, you could see it for so long after going up Medical Center Parkway. Uh, some homes were leveled in that area, too, around Broad Street, seeing it. Um, so I can I can vividly remember the damage images clearly from just my time there when I was at MTSU. And I remember, I believe it was in 97 or 98. That was the time period prior to that 09 tornado that came through that we really saw a lot of devastation in Rutherford County. And for that one back in 97 or 98, and, and y'all correct me, do you remember if it was 97 or 98 that hit Barfield so badly? Let me double check. I do remember the Barfield tornado because I just remember the video afterwards and I think it was new subdivision and it almost looked like toothpicks down through there. Yeah, it, it it was bad. And then going back to that Good Friday tornado, I understand that also that storm system went through a number of areas. I guess it started around the Texas area and then continued to grow, eventually moving into Tennessee and then moving moving on to places like Arkansas, Alabama. I mean, it, it was very widespread for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, when we get these systems, we are often watching what's happening elsewhere. And when we are part of these big systems, the ones that do the EF3, the EF4s, usually there is a trail of destruction from out on the west through the Southland to here. And just as an FYI, I did pick this up. Barfield, January 24th, 1997. That one hit at five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and with this Good Friday tornado out, there were 10 different tornadoes that happened all across the South from Tennessee, Alabama into Georgia. Uh, but the most violent tornado that occurred in that entire outbreak across the South, it happened in Rutherford County. It was that EF4 tornado uh, that did hit Murfreesboro. So that was the strongest one out of all of them across multiple states. And from that tornado, understand there were a total of, of five deaths throughout the South. And then on top of that, some 112 injuries is what I've got written down, plus four non-tornadic deaths and 62 injuries that were not related specifically to the tornado. But apparently there were wildfires spreading, I guess, around that same time. And because of that, there were deaths in that wildfire that occurred. And that would have been, I guess, right around the time frame when that tornado activity first started, when the storm was really starting to pick up. So tragic and for it to happen, you know, on a holiday weekend, too. You know, it, it's it's just sad. 58 of those injuries itself came just from that EF4 tornado in Rutherford County. So uh, that, that tornado itself caused a significant amount to those numbers that you were just talking about. And one of the things that we were talking about when the day it happened and even since then, as you think about the fact that on Good Friday, there were so many students home so many mm -hmm. students home alone. And so while it's a tragedy for 58 to be injured and two to lose their lives, 
when you think of so many that were home alone, that number could have been much higher. When we look at tornado systems today, I don't know if it's just me, but it does seem like the majority of tornadoes hit for some reason at night. And I don't know why that is. Is there a rhyme or reason to that? Yeah, there actually is. Uh, Tennessee actually ranks number one in the entire country for nighttime tornadoes out of all the states. So we get that lucky number to be number one with that. And a lot of people do ask us, why does that happen at night? A lot of times these storm systems form off to our west, and it's just the, the amount of time it takes for those storm, storm systems to usually travel to get to our area that oftentimes that front is coming through more in an afternoon, evening time frame versus during during the morning time, Leland. Yeah, definitely so. And she's right there. I think the the common time is four to seven for a lot of tornadoes. But yeah, she she's absolutely right. Tennessee, unfortunately, at the top of the list for tornado fatalities that happen at night. And here in Murfreesboro, during that 2009 storm that came through, uh, one of the stories that stood out was local pastor David Young, who's a, a pastor at North Boulevard Church of Christ. He he was out jogging on the Greenway system, did not know about the tornado warnings. Rain quickly turned to hell, and he started running back towards his vehicle parked there at the, the trailhead of the Greenway. Didn't make it back in time, and I, the stories that he told he was literally holding on to a tree for his life, somehow survived. But that's one of those amazing stories that you do sometimes hear about within tornado systems hitting, you know, different parts of the country. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that one, that particular pastor happened to say he happened to saw uh, a couple of angels during that whole process. And, you know, here, more people don't have uh, storm shelters. That's just been the nature of reality in this area for, for, for a long, long time. And even the, the, the mom and the daughter, uh, the baby who lost their lives, they were actually doing what they could in their home. I think they were in the bathroom in a bathtub. And so sometimes unless, and Heather, you can back me up or add additional comments on this. It, storm shelters are great, but in our area, we don't have as many. There are more now than let's say 10 or 15 years ago. But the problem is people are doing what they can in an EF1, EF2, EF3, you know, being in the center of the house is fantastic. But when you get to a four or five, you know, that's a whole different ball game with those tornadoes. Yeah, absolutely. And the lack of community storm shelters that we have in the area is something that I've been talking with officials about for, you know, years that I've been at Channel 5 to see what can we do to change that. But Leland is absolutely correct. When you have a violent tornado, that's what they categorize EF4, EF5s, um, you know, sometimes even you doing the exact right steps in your house, they are sometimes just so powerful and strong. Uh, and that's what we saw in the case of this in Rutherford County with the mother and her child, unfortunately, who lost their life. Um, you know, we always say the most interior room, the lowest room of your home, but, you know, that's why we really hit hard. A sturdy structure, uh, something that's going to protect your life and property, especially if you don't live in a home that can sustain uh, the kind of storms that we get. We're even seeing more frequency now, lower end tornadoes like EF2s, causing more damage than they should because homes are going up 
so fast in our area. You know Rutherford County is booming just like Davidson County is. Those homes, those developments are going up quick. If you are a new homeowner, you really want to check and make sure that the builders have done you know their due diligence, especially with that foundation, getting hurricane clips on your house to make sure it really is uh, good and ready and prepared to withstand those winds greater than 115, sometimes 130 miles per hour. In the downtown Murfreesboro area, a lot of the older homes are built with a basement, which is something you don't find today. But that basement is definitely one of the best, I guess, storm shelters you could possibly have in a home. If only they built more homes with a basement today. Absolutely. Basement is the best place to be. A basement or a storm shelter is where we tell people to go first. If you don't have the option for a basement or a storm shelter, it's the lowest level of your house, the most interior room. And I will say this, sometimes people say, well, some of my lower rooms also have a window. The bathroom sometimes is reinforced by the piping that's in the wall. So that can sometimes help uh, be a better place to be, even if it has a window in it, um, the bathroom of your house. But yeah, I do wish that more homes had basements in it here because as Leland said the lack of community storm shelters that's out there it would be the best option for people. Again with us this morning from News Channel 5 Leland Statum and also Heather Mathis you know I'm curious with all the technology today are storms getting easier to predict and are we able to better predict tornado activity and and where that tornado may be headed? I would say the technology is better. It's not to a point where we can tell you, okay, at three o'clock in the afternoon, a tornado is going to touch down. As these things start to get better, the technology is better into helping us pinpoint them. But I don't know that we'll get to a point where we can tell you several hours ahead of time. All right, downtown Murfreesboro, downtown Franklin, be ready. That's when a tornado is going to drop out of the sky. Yeah, and recently one of the areas that was hit by tornadoes was the area of Bowling Green, Kentucky. And December of 2021, there was a lot of devastation in that area. Then I believe there was a secondary tornado not too long after that. And I know not too long ago, there was straight line winds, and I believe they confirmed tornadoes as well in the Hendersonville area, in the Madison, Tennessee area. I mean, so many areas have been impacted lately. Areas where we didn't used to hear a lot about tornadoes hitting are now being hit, it seems like, more often. You know, and the reason for that is because we're growing so much. One of the good reasons why we think we have more tornadoes now than we did in the past is just because our area is expanding. Uh, you know, back when maybe we weren't as populated, if a tornado just goes through a field and doesn't really impact anybody, you're not going to hear about it. But now we have more developments going up. We have more people coming through. That's why in the southeast, uh, people say this is kind of turning into a new tornado alley, if you will. You're hearing more frequency of storms happening. And that's just because we have more more people living in the southeast than they really do in the plains where you would truly think that tornadoes are more common. We have more people here. We also have more trees that can be knocked down, more things that can be impacted by wind damage. So while I do think that we're seeing a higher frequency of these storm systems, we're also growing so much and adding so much for these storms to hit and impact. And Heather, if you will add to this concerning 
I know some are trying to pull away from the name, but there's long been this name called Dixie Alley. Some have even called it Killer Tornado Alley. But talk a little bit about how the South has always led that list. And unfortunately, the number of people who have died from tornadoes and that kind of piggybacks on what you were just talking about. Yeah, Bree and I recently did uh, some stories about how the Southeast is kind of this new tornado alley. And uh, something interesting that she was looking at Kansas, where you would think tornadoes, you know, being in the true tornado alley, they have not seen a tornado death in a number of years. But you look back at Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama, there are numerous deaths in the Southeast from storms and from tornadoes that happen every year. So, I mean, this truly is, I would say, a more dangerous area because we do get them at night. They are rain-wrapped and oftentimes hard for you to see those tornadoes. And here's the other thing, too. A lot of folks live in vulnerable housing in the southeast, in Tennessee and in some of these southern states. You just have more people that are maybe in mobile homes or maybe in homes that can't withstand the storms. So that's why you see, unfortunately, more injuries, more damage, and sometimes more deaths here than you would in traditional Tornado Alley. Again, joining us this morning from News Channel 5, Leland Statham and Heather Mathis. We are going to take a short break, but when we come back, I know, Leland, we talked to you a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got into the weather industry, but I want to you know, learn a little bit more about that for listeners that didn't hear it. And Heather, I want to hear, you know, kind of where, what point in your life did you decide, you know, that this is the direction I want to head. So we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Right now, the time 839, you're tuned into WGNS again on this Friday morning today, April the 15th time again, right now, 839. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You can get those options on the menu online at www.demasrestaurants.com. You can make the decisions that you want to make before you come in. We have options ranging from grilled chicken to fish. You can get it with a side of green beans or spinach or even zucchini. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner at Demas's. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family, Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If you're a pet lover, come see us at Animal City. We have 8,000 square feet of pet products and pets for you to enjoy. Here at Animal City, we carry a full line of pet products to help your pets stay healthy, happy, and well. Animal City is Murfreesboro's longest running and only family operated pet store. Come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. I'm out of Florence West. I like Adam's Place because you get friendly with everybody. They give you too much food and help you too much. Are you saying Adam's Place has spoiled you? Yes, sir. Real big, and I tell them that, too. They've got me rotten. I would encourage anyone to come to Adam's Place. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adam's Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. 
money issues, there's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Good morning. Still light to moderate right now on 24 through the Hickory Hollow area. Some radar out here this morning in sections of 24, uh, on 24 rather, and 840 as well. Slow it down. Princess Hot Chicken now available for catering. Check them out at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.43, you're listening to WGNS and coming your way at about 9.05 this morning, directly after the news, we're going to be joined by candidates who are running for Rutherford County Sheriff. They'll be in studio with us at 9.05 this morning. If you have questions for the candidates, you can text those to us at 615-893-1450. And speaking of text... If you have questions for Leland Statham or Heather Mathis this morning, you can text those to us as well, 615-893-1450. So uh, one question that was asked is, uh, what do you recommend as far as uh, a safe tornado shelter? Well, you can actually get individual storm shelters for your house. They can be a bit pricey. So you'd have to look into that with a local company that does provide storm shelters that you can install either in your garage or somewhere on your property. Um, Otherwise, um, if you don't feel safe in your house, if you feel like you're in a home, like a mobile home that can't withstand a storm, just heading to a store, a local business that stays open, a Walmart, something that's just a little bit uh, more sturdy than what your house would be. And I don't have his name. There was a guy that uh, we met when we were down at the city cafe who uh, owns now a local storm shelter down there. He actually bought it from somebody else, but there is somebody in the Rutherford County area who will build or bring a storm shelter to your home. And I know the ones that are built for the garage, there are some companies that will actually cut out an opening in the floor of the garage and then install the steel shelter in there and you actually walk down into it which is a cool idea because it's not in the way of anything uh, and it's actually in the ground in the concrete so that seems like that would be one of the better options yeah anything underground if you can do that that's perfect also something that um, folks could do if you ever get a storm shelter uh, let your local fire department know where it is so that way if your home is ever hit by a tornado or a storm they know exactly where to go to find you and your family if it's kind of covered in debris Again with us this morning, Leland Statham and also Heather Mathis. And uh, Leland, let's let's start with you. I, I know we talked a little bit about it about a week and a half ago, but where did you get this idea that you want to be in the weather industry? I mean, that was your focus. Wow. When I was in middle school, I had a weather center in my backyard. Nothing big fancy, but it, it, it was just me following the weather. But that the the love for it started then now i went to the university of tennessee to be a news anchor and a reporter so i actually have a bachelor of science in communications with an emphasis in news and public affairs at my second station i started filling in on the weather the more i filled in on the weather the more i liked it 
And so I, from there, got a job doing the weather in Bristol, Virginia, WCYB, where I was the weekend weather person and a reporter. At that station, I thought, if I, if I really want to do this, I need to go back to school. And on top of my communications degree from UT, I have a certificate of broadcast meteorology from Mississippi State. And so from there, that led me to, to getting an offer from uh, News Channel 5. One day, Ron House, our former chief meteorologist, just kind of called me up out of the blue one day and said, hey, we've heard some nice things about what you're doing in the Tri-City. Send, send us a tape. And from there, it led to me getting an offer, which for me, my 29th anniversary at the station is coming up here in May. So I'm, I'm curious, looking back, did you enjoy doing, uh, you know, basic news reports, interviewing folks, or do you like focusing on the weather more? The latter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was a nightside reporter. And so the nightside reporter has to get the city council meetings has to get some of the other things. Now, those meetings are very important because as we always say, politics is local. And so that's where a lot of things are happening that are really having a big impact on you more than sometimes the stuff in DC. But, you know, while those meetings are important, try sitting in a week after a week. <laughs> and so the, the latter part of it, because as I tell people now, even though I wake up at this very early hour, I get paid to be able to do what started as a hobby, and I, and I really love that. Hey, and about what time do you usually head in these days, and, and what time are you actually on the air? So now in team weather, I get up a little later. So when it was just me solo, I would get up at 2 a.m. to be at the station uh, for the start of the 4 a.m. news. Now that we do team weather, Nikki D is 4 to 5. We're team together from 5 to 7, and then I do the solo hour 7 to 8 on the plus. So I get up at 3, and then I get there in time for our 5 o'clock hour. So still very early hours for sure. Still very early hours, and then I stick around a bit because I continue to be the co-host of Talk of the Town at 11 o'clock with my uh, good friend, Meryl Rose. So you still get to do some of that interview stuff that uh, that you probably really enjoy. The fun kind of interviews, because this week we had the coach of the new Nashville Stampede, which is a bull riding team that's going to be here. Uh, the other day, I got a chance to talk to Kelsey Ballerini about the CMT Awards. Sometimes it's Zoom, but sometimes we get these people in studio way back, Julie Andrews in studio and how awesome was that who is the i don't know the most interesting person you've ever had the chance to really interview you know uh at the top of the list would be julie andrews and we were told ahead of time don't ask for pictures she didn't like <laughs> to do pictures she gets there and somebody kind of says something about pictures and not to ask you about it she said all right we're fine so she was so down to earth uh, before I became co-host, Patty LaBelle was in studio. And, and so because of the success of that show, the show is now over 35 years old and one of the most successful local uh, TV talk shows in the country. And so because of that success, we've had a great uh, opportunity to get people into the studio. Sounds sounds like a, a really fun career and, and a fun couple of years you said 29 years 30 years how many years now yeah it'll be 29 coming up in may wow that, that's a long time for sure very cool uh and heather as we head to you now I'm, i know you said you went to mtsu are you from the murfreesboro area i'm not i grew up in mount juliet so not too far away but i am a wilson county mount juliet girl 
So what got you interested in going into weather as opposed to all the other things? Well, I'm a little like Leland where I started out wanting to just do news, but I'll say, um, you know, I was a kid during the 98 tornado and that was probably the first big weather event that I remember uh, the tornado coming through downtown. I, I mean, I vividly remember Ron House and Chris Clark with Channel 5 and, you know, everything that happened, even hitting the station here. Um, so. I decided I wanted to go into broadcasting. That's why I went to MTSU. They have a wonderful program for anyone who wants to get into the broadcasting career. And I remember my freshman year of college, I tried out for the college run TV news station that we had. And we had to do everything. We had to read the news. We even had to do the weather. So I had prepared a little weather segment. And I think I was the only one who did because I landed the weather roll. And I thought, what? <laughs> I did not plan on doing the weather. What did I get myself into? Uh, but I ended up really loving it. So I graduated MTSU in 2011 with a broadcasting degree, but like Leland, went back to school at Mississippi State and ended up getting a meteorology degree as well. Again with us this morning, Heather Mathis and also Leland Statham from News Channel 5. And, uh, you know, are there any, I don't know, big weather activities you know, problems or, or significant issues that we need to be aware of that are coming up this coming week or anything? Well, I will say we, I filled in for Leland this morning, actually, and uh, I was on the show telling people about tonight, we're going to have um, some storms rolling through overnight. So after folks go to bed, this goes back to us talking about those nighttime chances for thunderstorms. Um, we will have them coming in after 10, 11 o'clock. I think it should be here in Murfreesboro after the midnight hour. Um, chances to see a strong storm in Murfreesboro, very low. Uh, to the south and west of Rutherford County, you may get some gusty winds, some hail, and most of it should be out by sunrise through Easter weekend. Couple spotty showers around and storms rolling back in Sunday night, but otherwise we can really just look too bad. One of the questions we have here, it says this happened about a year ago, but in Shelbyville, there were bad straight line winds, but we felt the damage was more so from a tornado. However, the weather service ruled it as straight line winds. And so I guess didn't really ask a question there, but with straight line winds, they can be just as devastating, I guess, as a tornado, depending on where they hit and how hard they're coming in. Yeah, Heather, you talked about this a little bit on the show this morning that, you know, about the fact that it, it can be a little bit more than some weak tornadoes. And just keep in mind, from a history standpoint, this is to let us know what really happened when we go back into the future, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, what really happened? That's the purpose of this. From an insurance standpoint, wind damage is wind damage. But Heather, yeah, you talked a little bit about some of the wind damage versus tornadoes on the news this morning. Yeah, so I think a lot of times people, you know, really hone in on tornadoes and the tornado uh, damage that they can cause. But tornadoes are very concentrated. When you really think of most that we get are EF0 to EF2. And so they're not very large in size. You see that when we show you neighborhoods that one side of the street not damaged at all. The other side had major damage. Uh, but straight line winds actually happen in a wider swath. So they can actually cause more damage to a larger group of 
people than tornadoes can. And that's a lot of what we saw with Wednesday storms as well was that straight line wind damage. And sometimes when that happens, you're talking wind gusts over 70 miles per hour in some cases. Category one hurricane is listed as 74 miles per hour. So, I mean, really strong winds. It can do damage to more folks than a tornado can. And let me add this too, and Heather, you can add a bit to this as well. Nashville gets the March tornado. From an NES standpoint, what was it? Maybe less than a month or so later, a derecho comes through. NES actually loses more power lines from the derecho than they did in the actual tornado that came through Nashville. Yeah, so that just shows how many more people can be affected versus one tornado and straight line winds. And it, it is wild how when a tornado goes through a neighborhood, literally one side of the street, the homes could have been totally destroyed across the street. Nothing. It looks like nothing happened at all. It, it's really wild to envision, you know, how in the world does that happen? You want to hit, hit up on that? I'll start. It, part of this is you've got the, 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 the tornado and there's this pool that's going back and forth. And so as the tornado is ha happening, there could be a little bit of a pull one way to the tornado, maybe being pulled back the other way. And so it almost gives you kind of this hopscotch effect where, yeah, house A is unfortunately has severe damage. House B, it looked as if the tornado jumped right over that house. No, and it's so hard when you're in neighborhoods where you see houses that were completely unaffected and then homes maybe that were completely level. But that just goes to talk about the concentration of that tornado. That tornado itself has winds within it, sometimes up to 115, 130 miles per hour. But it's so concentrated in such a small area. That's how you see that with just the path only being a small area of a neighborhood versus the entire neighborhood. Another question we have here, how does how do summer temperatures look like this year? I understand hurricanes are predicted to be more widespread this year. Well, we are in a La Nina path, and sometimes that means we get uh, worse severe weather in the spring. But, you know, La Nina also means we don't really get a lot of winter storms, and we've had that this year. So you just never know. It's really hard for us to tell outside. We can really predict the weather well within seven to ten days. Once you get beyond that, it's kind of a guessing game. We've got to wait for these models to come into range. We can kind of look at the overall pattern and say this is what we're looking at, maybe a wetter season, and that's what they predicted for spring. Wetter season, above average temperatures is what we're looking at. But when you go so far out as to summer, we really just kind of have to see what these global patterns do before we can tell. But, hey, it's the Mid-South. You kind of can bet on it being hot and humid. <laughs> Definitely so. Uh, another question we have here. Now, this one, I don't, I don't know that you'll know the answer to because I would imagine every city, every college campus is a little different. And I know we have tornado sirens on the MTSU campus. But the question is, how many minutes do we have when the tornado sirens actually go off? Hmm. What's the average lead time on a tornado warning now? I think it's what, about 15 minutes or so. Yeah. 10 to 15 minutes is your average lead time. So that means from the moment the tornado warning is issued, that's the amount of time they want you to have to prepare before that tornado hits your house. Um, so that's what we call a lead time leading into it. Um, but, you know, it's actually, Leland, I think up to uh, county officials to actually sound those sirens. You're absolutely right. And so that's the and two things on sirens. They are important, but they're more for people outdoors. Don't, don't rely the, on them for your, your source of warning in the house. 
But uh, to hit on what Heather just mentioned, the weather service isn't triggering those sirens when the, they issue a tornado warning. So the warning is issued, then somebody on the county level, the school level has to do that. So there could be, a, there is a, at least a little bit of a delay. So again, keep that in mind. It's being triggered on the local level and not by the weather service. Very good points there. Again, with us this morning, Leland Statham and Heather Mathis from News Channel 5. Right now the time, 8.58, so we only have about a minute or so left. Uh, when, I guess, when you guys really go into action, you usually know at least, you know, 24 hours ahead of time that, hey, there's a storm that's going to come through our area fairly soon, and y'all start preparing for it. But how much time do you actually have to prepare for it before you go on the air? Um, usually the National Weather Service is pretty good about letting us know, hey, we're about to issue a tornado warning, and then it's kind of all hands on deck and we're ready to go. But you're right, we know about 24 hours ahead of time. And Leland, we're pretty good at the station at preparing, getting all the staff needed. Yeah, because we want to make sure that there is no gap. On a day like today, there probably will be a period when Heather leaves and before Bree comes in. But like the other day, you try to make sure that if there is still storms going on, Bree and Heather stay late until Nikki D comes in to meet them. So at that point, it's always staff. There isn't a gap between shifts. So you know whether or not you're not going to make those dinner plans ahead of time. <laughs> because I'm, no, I'm I think the other night y'all got pizza, right? Sometimes the station is kind <laughs> enough to, to order pizza, if especially at night, if they're going wall-to-wall coverage. Hey, Rory Johnston got us pizza that night. He was an angel for going out in the storms and getting Bree and I something to eat. Awesome. <laughs> Again, joining us this morning from News Channel 5, Leland Statham and Heather Mathis. Thank you both so much for joining us. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to both of you again soon. Bye. Thank, thank you. you. It's been so fun. Time right now, 9 o'clock. Stay with us. More news and information coming your way, including a candidate forum for those running for Rutherford County Sheriff. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The 25th Annual Jazz Fest is scheduled for Friday night, May 6th, between 5.30 and 10 p.m., and May 7th, Saturday, between 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on the historic downtown square. The free outdoor event continues to be one of the most popular annual activities for all ages in Rutherford County, featuring student jazz bands from eight high schools performing Friday at 5.30, including Blackman, Central Magnet, Siegel, Smyrna, Laverne, Oakland, Riverdale, and Rockvale. Ending the festivities on Friday night, the Justin Jazz Orchestra takes the stage at 9 p.m., showcasing the classic sounds of the 1940s. More on Saturday by visiting our website, WGNSRadio.com. A lot of activities are scheduled for Earth Day this year. Bring your kids to this. There'll be a lot of kid activities. A lot of booths are doing kind of a plant the seed and take it home kind of thing. And then we're going to have a fire truck out there and a bucket truck out there. And what could be more fun for kids than those big vehicles? 
That was Amy Byers with Middle Tennessee Electric. The annual event is on the Murfreesboro Square Saturday, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. A Murfreesboro City Council workshop was held at the Murfreesboro Airport Wednesday and a mixed-use development for the land between Murfreesboro City Hall and Broad Street was discussed. Bart Klein, a partner with the Nashville architectural firm Klein, Sweaty & Associates, told council members that the proposed development would offer a mix of retail and office space, condos, a boutique hotel, parking, and public walk areas. The project is in the talking stages now and must get through an extended study process with the Metro City Council and several city building regulatory agencies. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. 